Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last of this week's Lineout podcast, looking at the France, uh, excuse me, looking at the Italy-England game in Rome on Sunday. So, yeah, um, last game of uh, round two, uh, England with it all to do to get their campaign back on track. And Italy, after I thought a pretty credible uh, performance against uh, France last weekend, to kind of continue that upward trajectory. Um, you know, admittedly, probably a win is out of the question, but certainly if they can build on that performance against France and, you know, put in another competitive performance, hopefully even try and keep the scoreline relatively close, I think, you know, Italy can feel very well pleased with so far how the Six Nations is is panning out for them. Um, you know, obviously for uh, Italy, you know, the playing in Rome... Uh, always a big deal for them. Uh, crowds are there. We've seen how much of an impact the crowds uh, had last weekend. So that'll be a real shot in the arm for an Italian side that I genuinely think is is showing some promise this year. You know, like I've said in my previews, I doubt there'll be some wins, but I think if they can emerge from this championship having given all of the teams a genuine workout, then it bodes well for their future and hopefully can kind of put to rest a lot of these debates about whether Italy should or should not be in the Six Nations, which at this stage in the game, I think are relatively pointless. You know, it's like I said to everybody, you remember France, it took them a long time to be Six Nations championships, but champions, but look at them now, you know, they're a given. So maybe, you know, one day down the road, it may take another 10 years, but none of this is going to happen quickly. But um, yeah, you know, I think uh, they can feel pretty pleased with that performance um, against France. Now, Scotland, obviously, England, uh, that was a big disappointment for for England. Um, you know, I, I think they certainly fancied their chances going into that match. And let's face it, it was an incredibly close match. Um, they only lost by three points. Uh, they blooded. Uh, they kind of, you know, put a lot of their, their newer players under pressure in the spotlight in a tough game, tough conditions, tough weather conditions. And I, you know, I don't think England can come out of that match feeling, you know, overly despondent about how they performed. Yes, Scotland get the got the better of them, and I think the sole difference really was Scotland at the end of the day with a more cohesive side. You, what you saw was a very talented English side, but an English side that still lacks a bit of balance and still lacks some cohesion in terms of how they play the game and what they're trying to achieve. And I'm still not sure that that linkage between the coaching box and the players is is as strong as, for example, say Scotland's or Ireland's or or France's. So, yeah, we'll see. But um, you know, the interesting thing was their statistics last weekend against Scotland were positive. You know, they had 54% of the possession, they had 62% of the territory overall. Um, you know. It, it wasn't all that bad. Uh, their discipline still requires a bit of work. Um, but yeah, you know, they, I think they held their own and it was a relatively close match. And ultimately by the finest of margins, the better side won, but that's all it was. Um, so, you know, I, I just, you know, Scotland were just made better use of what little ball they had and they were more effective in everything they did. Um, interestingly enough, 
you know, uh, Scotland were, I, I think they were more cohesive defensively. Um, and that was a, a big telling factor. Their, their tackle success rate was much higher than England's. Um, obviously, their, their goal kicking was a bit more on point. Um, but in the rucks, you know, England and, and Scotland were equally matched. Um, Line-out time, they had a pretty poor go of it, England, uh, whereas Scotland were bang on the money in terms of line-out success. And England had the slight edge on them in the scrum. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, I do think the scrum is an area that uh, England really need to address. Um, and I think, you know, actually Italy can, can feel relatively confident about being competitive come scrum time uh, this Sunday. But anyway, um, let's, yeah, let's look at, uh, look at how things uh, unfolded um, in terms of uh, selection decisions for uh, Italy, starting with the home team uh, this weekend. Um, I think for Italy, again, if you go back to statistics, I think looking back at that game against uh, France, they can feel pretty pleased with that. Um, you know, they, they were very competitive at rucks. They were scoring good percentages in the rucks, 93%. So-so in the lineouts, 88%. But, you know, there's that's not too shabby. Uh, but very successful come scrum time. So they're going to take a lot of confidence uh, into uh, the game against England this Sunday as a result. Um, and I actually think that that is not a bad Italian front row. Uh, Danilo Fischetti, um, he had a really good game last weekend. Um, Gianmarco Lucchese at hooker. I thought he was exceptional. Uh, I thought that is some real talent for Italy. Pietro Cecciarelli comes in for Pas uh, Tiziano Pasquale. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I thought Pasquale didn't have too bad a game. But um, yeah, I think certainly in, in Fischetti and Lucchese, uh, Italy can be competitive come the set pieces and at scrum time. In the second row, Nicolo Canoni, Federico Ruzza. I think Ruzza justified 100% uh, my clamoring to see him as a regular starter for Italy. Um, he certainly excelled uh, and lived up to his reputation. But also, Nicolo Canoni looks better and better with each outing. He's already a genuine force at Pentaton and uh, looked really good for Italy last weekend. So, yeah. Uh, into the back row, a couple of changes this week. We see Bram Stain. Uh, he comes in for Sebastian Negri. Um, Negri is on the bench for this one. And uh, then you have Michele Lamaro and Toa Halafihi. Uh, Toa Halafihi looked uh, certainly good last weekend um, when he came on. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think that's a real strong suit at number eight for, for Italy. Obviously, Michele Lamaro, I've already said in the blog, I think he is adapting to the captain's role superbly uh, and is leading with a maturity well beyond his 23 years. And obviously, Bram Stain, um, he's a known commodity for Italy as well. So uh, an exciting player for them to, to throw into the mix in what should be um, you know, a very competitive and physical game. Uh, where, you know, a guy like Stain's physicality is going to be key. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's 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 a good-looking back row uh, for Italy. Stephen Varney, Paolo Garbisi uh, taking the halfback slots. I thought Varney at scrum half 
had a real 50-50 game last weekend. Uh, I think, you know, England will recognize that he can be put under pressure very easily. Uh, and that often uh, ends up badly for Italy. You know, look at that try, um, intercept try from Jelanche off a, a Barney pass last weekend. Uh, I just felt, yeah, Barney, the pressure really got to him last weekend. And when he was good, he was good. But overall, he kind of struggled to to uh, keep a cool head. Um, and I think to a certain degree, some of the same could be said with Garbisi. Um, you know, again, huge, huge talent. Uh, I think there's no, de- well, there is no debating his talent as evidenced by his uh, setting up Menoncello's try. That kick for that try was just absolutely outstanding last weekend. But he made a lot of schoolboy errors at times. Um, and I think, you know, that's just blowing off the dust at this level. Um, and he'll be better week in, week out as the championship unfolds. Um, on the wings, Monte Ioane, uh this week and Luca Morisi. Um, you know, Ioani proven commodity with Benetton and Italy uh, and Morisi. You know, again, it's all part of that uh, part of the Benetton uh, factory there. So expect him to uh, put in a good shift. I thought at center, Marco Zanon and Juan Ignacio Rex, they they keep their positions uh, in the starting 15 at center. I thought both of them were effective. I, I really like Brex. I'm very impressed with Brex. I think uh, he's a real find for Italy in, in terms of particularly defensively uh, in the center and Eduardo Padovani at fullback, I thought he had a pretty good stint last weekend. A uh, couple of errors, um, but yeah, overall, not too shabby a performance. Um, the bench, I do worry about Italy. Um, it's a pretty powerhouse-looking uh, England bench set of replacements. So, you know, expect Italy to be competitive for as long as they can with their starters, and then, yeah, the scrum to start to creak, uh, to creak. Um, once the subs come on, uh, you got Efalami Faiva, uh, Sharif Torore, and Tiziano Pasquale. So yeah, I'm not too confident about Italy's fortunes in the last quarter. Come, come the front row, but we'll see how that goes. Um, David Cici, uh comes in. Uh, he's a known commodity uh, in the back row, and obviously Sebastian Negri needs uh, no introduction. Giovanni Petanelli. Um, also, as well, um, comes in uh, with uh, Benetton, another part of the Benetton factory, um, and also at fullback Alessandro uh, Fusco from uh, Zebra. Don't know too much about him. Uh, and then lastly, at fly half, uh, Leonardo Marin, who's having a pretty good stint at Benetton. So, you know, I think certainly in the back row, uh, Italy are packing some real weight in terms of subs. Um, and certainly guys like uh, Leonardo Moran are, are going to be interesting to watch. So that's Italy. England, you know, packing lots of experience, pretty experienced front row there. Ellis Genge, Jamie George, Will Stewart. Um, but nevertheless, you know, England's, England's front row kind of creaked. Um, Luke Cowan-Dickey, after his howler with... Uh, his sort of volleyball rugby league type bat into a touch of the ball, which set up the penalty try for Scotland. He finds himself on the bench uh, this, this weekend, but um, 
like I say, I certainly think for the first hour that Italian front row can be competitive. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think in the long term, England clearly have the edge there. Uh, here's the interesting positional shift for me. Charlie Yules uh, comes in, moving Maru Itoje out to the flank in the back row. So in your second row, Charlie Yules, Nick Izakewa. Is uh, I thought Izakewa had a good game last weekend. Um, but I don't think uh, England worked very well in the lineouts. Um, and moving Itoje out of position, particularly, you know, is he such a target for Jamie George, who's used to having him in the second row? Not 100% sure that's the right move. Uh, Maru Itoje, Tom Curry, Alex Dombrandt make up the back row. Uh, Itoje, <clears throat> like I say in the blog, if you can uh, go through the internet and find that uh, on YouTube, Find that speech Itoje makes at the end of the Scotland-England game in the changing room. I've always felt Itoje is huge leadership, has huge leadership potential for England that Eddie Jones, for reasons best known to himself, chooses not to utilize. Um, well, I'm delighted to see Tom Curry get the captain's armband again, as I think he is a future captain in the making long term for England. I think it would have been no harm this weekend uh, particularly given that that those words of encouragement from Itoje at the end of the Scotland game and, you know, the calm way in which they were delivered and it was just really positive. I think he he also deserves a shot at wearing the captain's armband and I thought this weekend would have been a prime opportunity for him to do so. Anyway, what do we know? But yeah, um, Tom Curry stays uh, in the back row. And uh, Alex Dombrandt uh, gets his start at number eight uh, over Sam Simmons, who didn't really have a very good game last weekend. Um, you know, Scotland were able to kind of really negate uh, anything Simmons could do. So, uh, yeah, it's obviously Dombrandt's uh, kick at the can. Um, I have a hunch you're actually going to see him as England's regular starting number eight for the rest of the championship, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but, you know, like... A, I say again, you know, Jones keeps tinkering with that back row, and it looked kind of balanced last weekend. I'm not sure that injecting Itoje into it is the right call. Um, you know, I know he's used Laws, Courtney Laws, you know, who's traditionally a second rower, but also seems to be, you know, a big rangy back rower that that Jones likes to use, and, and Itoje is very much in the mold of that. But, yeah, I just can't help feeling that there's a once again if it ain't broke don't fix it anyway we shall see very excited to see harry randall get the start uh at scrum half that guy is a live wire um and uh talk about chalk and cheese contrast to uh the rather pedestrian and conservative ben youngs but i think harry randall alongside marcus smith is going to be a fireworks show that's going to be fun to watch uh marcus smith you know, it's interesting if, uh, as I mentioned over on the blog, have a look at Squidge Rugby's uh, breakdown of that Scotland-England game or his review. Um, you know, when I, I saw Jones take Smith off uh, the field just as after he'd scored that try and, and he'd seemed to be sort of getting into his groove last weekend, I was gobsmacked like most people. Um, and I still question the decision. However... Although I don't necessarily agree with Jones's choice to bring him off the field, I can understand why. 
you know, everybody's obsessed with Smith and everybody kind of thinks he's the, the greatest thing to, to hit test rugby um, in a long time. And he is. He is a genuinely talented world-class fly half um, who's, you know, taken to test rugby like a, a duck to water. But he's not all there yet. And I think you saw a lot of that. If you watched the first sort of 50 minutes of that game against Gold, he makes a lot of uncharacteristic errors. Um, and, you know, I, I guess that was getting to Jones and he felt, you know, he's got two choices. He either lets him to continue to make errors and, and, and have his confidence sapped or he brings him on, off and brings on George Ford, who I don't think really added too much to proceedings anyway. I personally feel it would have been a better decision to leave Smith on the field, especially once he scored that try. You know, his confidence went up. And the mistakes that he had made up to that point, let him learn from that. Uh, you know, he needs to learn how to cope and, and to dealing with, you know, those kind of mistakes in big pressure games like that. If, you know, they want him as their genuine pivot come the World Cup in, in just over 18 months' time. That would have been my call. I can understand perhaps Jones's reasoning. I'm not saying I agree with it, but for once, I do actually kind of understand it. Anyway, have a look at that video. Let's see what you think. In the backs, you've got Jack Noel and Max Malins out on the wing. Um, you know, Jack Noel back from injury looking pretty sharp. Uh, I think he is going to give Luca Morisi a real run for his money. And Max Malins and Monti Oani, that, that should be a, a pretty sparky contest. In the centers, uh, Henry Slade and Joe Marchant. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't overly uh, impressed with um, Marchant last week. He was on the wing. They've decided to shift him to center. Uh, and Elliot Daly gets moved out. I didn't think Elliot Daly really achieved all that much last weekend either at center. So, you know, England have got issues with their center partnerships. Uh, even Slade, I thought, wasn't as effective as he could have been. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think that's an, a gray area right now for, for England is, is what their center combinations are. And then lastly, Freddie Stewart. Um, I felt really bad for Freddie Stewart at fullback last weekend. I mean, but it was a bit like Smith, you know. He wowed us all in, in, in November with some outstanding performances where he just couldn't seem to put a foot wrong. You know, but he's young, he's human, he doesn't have that much test experience, and you saw that against um, Scotland. He, like Smith, made some pretty uncharacteristic errors for him. Uh, I don't think it's a trend. Um, you know, the weather was pretty tough at, at Murrayfield. The, the, the pressure riding on the game was enormous, and he hadn't really, you know, perhaps barring the game against South Africa, seen anything like that. So, you know, maybe the pressure got to him a little bit, um, you know. Uh, yeah, so, and the England's first day out, you know, uh, it's, always a, it's always a little bit rusty. So, yeah, I felt kind of bad for him, but I certainly don't think that, uh, I think he deserves to keep his place, and I think he is 100% uh, the way forward for England in the fullback jersey. On the bench, Luke Cowan, Dickie, Joe Marler, Kyle Sinclair. Um, you know, Marler, when he came on, I think he, he definitely made an impact last week. Uh, Sinclair, jury's out still for me on him. And obviously Luke Cowan, Dickie, I feel he's kind of hard done by. 
um, you know, like that that try, uh, that penalty try that got awarded to Scotland as a result of him batting it into touch and a kind of like volleyball move. Um, I, I don't condone it, but, you know, by the same token, what choice did he have? And secondly, England had put him in a completely untenable position. Like what business does a hooker have defending a wing, especially a guy against a guy like Darcy Graham? So, you know, I think England really have a lot of questions they have to answer for putting Cowan Dickey in that position in the first place. So I feel to a certain degree he's kind of hard done by. But by the same token, you know, England's line-out didn't really work last week. They struggled at scrum time at, at times. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Ollie Chesham. Uh, I have to confess, I actually don't really know anything about Ollie Chesham. Um, so, um, yeah, he plays for Leicester. Uh, Leicester are on a roll. Um, I've heard lots of good things about him. I think it's interesting to see. Uh, Sam Simmons, he did not have a good game at number eight last week. Uh, I think Scotland shut him down very effectively. I don't think it means he's become a bad player overnight. Um, and maybe against slightly weaker opposition, uh, yeah, uh, he he may come into his own in this game. And then it'll be interesting to see how, you know, is it going to be a trend with Jones? Is he going to swap Dombrand out for one game, Simmons back in for another, and vice versa? Uh, ben Youngs finds himself on the bench uh, for this game, which I think is absolutely the right call. Uh, you got to get guys like Randall uh, and Rafi Quirk is another one I'd like to see. They need to start test matches this Six Nations if England are serious about the World Cup. Um, George Ford, you know, lots of buzz about him, but I didn't see anything from him that last weekend, uh, despite the form that he's having uh, at present. Um I just, you know, at, at club level, I just, I didn't see much last weekend to make me go, yeah, that's definitely, you know, they should be using him at the expense of Smith. And lastly, Elliot Daly, uh, he can seem, he just, he's just one of those guys, I guess, Eddie Jones can't drop. He had moments uh, last weekend, uh, but still, I'm still not convinced. I think there are better options out there. But obviously, uh, Jones is keeping him as some sort of utility back because um, he can, you know, he can be on the wing, be at fullback or center. I would prefer not to see the center experiment again. Uh, I also don't think he's that great under the high ball. Maybe on the wing. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, we shall see. Uh, an interesting game in prospect. Uh, that is for sure. Um, you know, I think... The interesting thing is a lot of, in the past, teams have gone to Rome or hosted Italy thinking, well, this is a this is a golden opportunity to get the maximum points haul to uh, fix whatever issues we, we may be having with our campaign up to this point. I don't think that's the case this year. Um, I don't think Italy is the soft target they have been up, up until now. Uh, I may be wrong, but yeah. Uh, as a result, I think this game for, for neutrals and supporters alike is is going to be well worth watching on Sunday. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this one unfolds. And I'm really hoping for Italy's sake that the competitiveness they showed against France um, yeah, comes back to the fore for this one. And they, they even ramp it up a, another notch. Uh, it's obviously England's game to lose. I think they, they should feel pretty confident about going into proceedings on Sunday. Um 
but whether it's going to go all their way in terms of amassing maximum points uh, that may benefit them later down the road in the championship, I think that could be debatable. We shall see. But anyway, uh, it's on ITV uh, in the UK for free uh, through a VPN if you want to catch it. Otherwise, it's uh, your regular two broadcasters here in Canada, uh, Dazen, and then Premier Sports Asia, which, like I say, now you need a VPN for. But uh, they'll also be showing Super Rugby and various other things. So they're they're still my go-to in terms of bang for your buck, uh, your rugby buck here in Canada. Anyway, enjoy the match. Uh, it should be a really interesting game. Uh, they are calling for rain in Rome on Sunday, but hopefully it won't dampen proceedings too much. But uh, yeah, like I say, very much a game worth watching. So take care, everyone. Uh, enjoy what should be a thrilling weekend of rugby yet again as we get into round two of Six Nations. Till then, take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon.